This is Moral of the Story. Interesting people telling short stories and then breaking them down to see what works and what doesn't. I'm your host, Max Trapofsky. On today's episode, we have Jim Jacoby, the one and only. Jim had a very successful agency, and when he decided to leave that life, he moved down to New Orleans to design this amazing motorcycle called the Bienville Legacy. Uh, there's actually a link to a video that we uh, shot of that, uh, of that bike in the Utah Salt Flats. Uh, after the bike, he founded ADMCI. Actually, it was around the same time, it was ADMCI. And now he is really focused on St. Emmerich, which is kind of this curated series of dinners that are made by amazing, amazing chefs. So more information on that uh, as well on the website. Jim, thanks for being on the show. Thanks, Max. Thanks for having me. So set the stage for us before you get into the story. Is there anything that we should know? Uh, maybe the the way I would set the stage is I'm going to break your rule coming right out of the gate here. I actually have two stories to tell you, but I've uh, as I've been thinking about this, they are related and I hadn't considered them related previously. So that's my setup. I like it. Breaking <laughs> the rules right out of the gate. Uh, OK, well, tell me the first story. So the stories tend to center around motorcycle trips. Uh, once a year, I typically head off on a fairly extended tour. And uh, in the past, uh, there were two ways of going about those tours. One was to not really have a plan, have a general destination. And the other way of going about it was to set your destinations and get from one to the other. And so in the first case, the trip was to go to the Blue Ridge Mountains and we didn't know exactly where we were going and I was headed off with a friend named Trent and it was gonna be a great trip and we discovered along the way this place called Story, Indiana where we stopped and uh, had a great uh, break and then headed off towards South Carolina and stopped uh, at a gas station to ask for advice on where to stay. And the guy said, uh, well, you know, there's a place, by the way, this was a dry county, which was a bit of an issue for us. So the guy uh, we asked said, you know, there are options. Uh, there's a fairly kind of granola place that's up in the mountains up there that you could go to, but it's kind of weird. Or you could head off in this direction. You can get a good, uh, you know, case of beer. We thought, well, we'll try for the granola and see what happens. So we headed up up there and it turned out it was a place called Snowbird Lodge. We'd never been to. It was off season and it was dusk. Uh, we walked in. And as we were walking in, Trent's like, hey, the woman behind the desk is the season two winner of Survivor. And I'm like, no, it's not. And he's like, yeah, it is, it is. And so, great. So we walk in and check in and he's continuing to kind of elbow me and say, this is this amazing person. I was like, okay, great. So we take a left um, away from checking in towards what would be the great room, right? And it's dusk. Uh, and we're looking at the... Uh, fireplace that runs up two stories high and on either side as you might imagine there are windows and in one of the windows there's a reflection of a guy playing backgammon and we think okay cool we're going to take a turn and see who this guy is because there's nobody else in the lodge and we're going to go introduce ourselves and just kind of hang out with whoever's there and we take a left and turn around and there's nobody there and so there's nobody sitting at a table very similar to the one we're sitting at right now uh, there's no backgammon board, there's no person, there's nothing. And we both look at each other and think, 
and, and say, like, because we hadn't said, hey, let's go talk to this guy. We just turned and went to go talk to him. And so we look at each other and say, that's weird. And so, and, and we could describe him physically. And so later that night, we had dinner by ourselves. There was a chef there who was cooking dinner literally for us because there was nobody else staying there. And this turns out Trent was right. The f- former winner of season two of Survivor was kind of hanging out with us for drinks afterwards before she headed home. And we we're going to be the only people in that whole place. And we're like having a scotch with her, you know, in an empty bar. And she's like telling us about the history of the place and stuff. We said, does anybody, has anybody ever mentioned ghosts? And she visibly changed and said, well, I've never seen any, but uh, uh, many people have had recollections of or run into Elmer, uh, the former owner of the lodge, who uh, had it for almost 20 years with his family. They all lived here, uh, lived here with their dog and so forth. And so uh, Elmer shows up at times, but I'm really freaked out about it. And frankly, I'm going to leave now. And she leaves. <laughs> and so Trent and I are basically the only two people in this lodge. Uh, she with, just walked out. She left. She went home because she stayed at home like 20 miles away. And so we were the only ones in the lodge. She's like, make yourselves comfortable. Grab another drink if you want, whatever. I'm out of here. Uh, and so as we were headed up the stairs to go to our room, there's pictures along the stairways, you can imagine, of the history of the lodge. And there he was with his dog and his wife and a shotgun. And there's Elmer. And we're like, that's the guy who was playing backgammon. And so we were freaked. So anyway, that was that's an example of kind of taking a trip to a place that doesn't we had no plan and nothing else happened, by the way. So (laughs) take the punchline away. The next the next year, we had a very regimented plan because we had figured out a bunch of stuff and we wanted to go back to Snowbird Lodge. So we fast forward, uh, head out on our trip again and head to Story, Indiana, stop, have a drink, get back on the bikes and Almost as if I were slapped off the road, I get in a motorcycle crash solo by myself, run into a tree and snap the bike in half. It's a large touring bike, 1200cc uh, bike and uh, snap the frame in half, snap the engine in half and snap my pelvis in half. And it turns out uh, that when the paramedic, I, I denied that I was injured in any way and was walking around basically on adrenaline the whole time. And he eventually kind of fell over once that kind of wore off and it was like, something's wrong. And so uh, as the paramedics were taking me away and trying to argue with me about cutting me out of my riding suit and stuff, uh, I was unable to uh, describe to them where I had come from or where I was going because in my mind, I was on the trip the previous year with no plans. But this year we had planned it all out and we're probably pushing a little bit to get from one place to the next. And I think that for a variety of reasons may have caused some other issues with my writing style and so forth and and may have contributed to the accident. But I guess the reason I wanted to tell you both of those stories together, uh, and they're just the beginnings of two stories, is because I think there's a lot of uh, interest and things to be discovered in how you travel and why you travel and what comes out of it. And I'll stop there. Why did you stop there? <laughs> uh, because I think uh, I think there's something to be di- discussed or discovered in traveling with purpose without destination and traveling for destination without purpose. 
That's so interesting for destination without purpose. So, uh, so it's funny. I'm, or at least I used to be very much of a planner mm-hmm. when we would take family vacations. I planned the hell out of them. And, uh, we went to Maui, just Andy and I, um, a while, it was a long time ago. It was before, before we had kids and I planned everything. Every single day was fully regimented. And, um, I remember at one point, uh, she said, when are we going to have unstructured time? When are we actually going to just see what happens? And, uh, I said, uh, Tuesday and Thursday between three and five, (laughs) right? (laughs) Like that's it. Yeah. I think, uh, I don't know, for me, I feel like it's, uh, it's almost, it's almost like, well, we've made all these arrangements to be at this place. And I, and I guess maybe there's like an unspoken expectation of having just an amazing time. And in order to mitigate the risk of that not happening, you just cram it chock full of whatever you can, you know, the different things you want to do there. Yep. So I've sort of, I've sort of struggled with that, but I feel like sometimes the best experiences come out of, uh, taking a chance on not having anything planned. Yeah, I think uh, my experience in life in general has been if I know where I'm headed, but I don't know how I'm going to get there, those are my best experiences. And so that's what I'm reflecting on these stories. That's that's what I've taken away from it. Um, And because of the motorcycle accident, I was forced to sit on my butt for 10 weeks while my pelvis healed. And it created so much space for introspection that I otherwise wouldn't have had. Even that uh, produced some greatness. But you know, in general, with just about everything I've done in my career, I haven't known exactly where I was going to go or how I was going to get there, but I knew I wanted to do something important with interesting people. So why, why are these, the two, why did you pick these two stories? The second trip was a mess. Like we didn't even get through day one. Um, the first trip was magical because we knew we wanted to get south. We didn't want to go to the Blue Ridge Mountains. We didn't know where we were going to stay any nights. Um, and every night was an adventure. Every day was an adventure and amazing things happened. And I think it, for me in reflecting on this, it became a metaphor for, uh, the, the better parts of life. You know, I didn't, I didn't have any anticipation of starting an underground restaurant, which is the more recent activity, but, um, here it is. If you introduce yourself to great people and remain open to great things, great things will happen. Right. Especially to you. (laughs) I don't know how you manage it. Um, What do you think makes for a good story? Um, I'm not a good storyteller. Uh, I think great stories uh, are typically told by people who are able to create the arc of the story, um, who are inherently verbal or have worked on being verbal. Um, I'm inherently in my head. I'm an introvert and a writer. Um, so I can write a story, I think, um, but telling a story, not a chance. Uh, and so I think it's really, I, I, um, I, I hunger for being around people who are great at telling stories and I wish I were better at it. What, what's, what do you think is missing from your storytelling? Uh, the ability to hold space and allow space to, uh, uh, just be there. I think, uh, my, my, uh, insecurity about the story I'm telling 
uh, tends to take over and crowd the space and, and, and shorten the duration of the uh, narrative. I will say that in most cases, from personal experience, the narrative can use a little shortening. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so what's your uh, medium of choice for telling stories? Uh, paper. Uh, I will, I, I really love writing. I love, uh, getting a story down. Uh, there's never enough time or, or room in life to do it well, but I will yeah. always be the uh, frustrated, uh, American novelist. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, does every story have to have a moral? I think the best stories are those that don't assume a moral, uh, and, and leave space for the, uh, listener or participant to inhabit it and discover their own moral. Like those are the, those are amazing. I mean, those are the movies that stand out and, and, uh, storytellers to me who stand out where it's not like, I'm going to tell you this because you're going to learn X. I'm going to tell you this because it's amazing and you're going to hear or experience something that I don't even expect. Ah, uh, so in that case, it, it almost becomes like a, kind of like a, choose your own adventure depending on the audience. I think so. I think it means curating an audience is just as important as how you work and craft your story. Very true. Very <laughs> true. What advice would you give to those that want to become better storytellers? I would advise working at it. I think one of the most terrifying things to me that I can imagine is something like the moth story hour or those sorts of things where you get on stage and actually do tell a story. Um, I worked at kind of pitching and things like that back, you know, during the professional days of, of trying to raise money or whatever else. And it's, it's like anything, it's like stand up. It's like going to second city, you get to work at it. Um, so I, I would recommend working out, uh, finding ways that you can engage people so that they're not having to suffer through it too much, but, um, that you can work that muscle uh, and get feedback. Why, why is that terrifying to you being on stage for an hour? Oh, good Lord. Uh, I don't know. I think, I think it's just, uh, I haven't studied it enough, but I think we're wired in different ways. We're either introverts or extrovert, extroverts in a binary sense. And we're all on a scale from one end to the other somewhere. Um, and I'm definitely hard end, uh, scale of introvert. So I play act, uh, at extrovert when I have to, but I'm always in my head. Uh, so it's the old duck on the duck on the water, paddling feverishly, but looking calm. For sure. For sure. Um, all right. Tell me this. What, uh, what book are you reading right now? I am, I'm reading like 12 books, which is a frustration because I can't stop starting new ones. Um, I'm reading, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll botch the title, but it's, uh, a book about how trees communicate with each other uh, through their root systems and, or, you know, uh, notifying neighboring trees that their, uh, leaves are getting eaten, things like that. Um, which comes out of an, uh, interest from another book, which was, is about a, a guy's, and again, I'm terrible at remembering de details, so we can follow up on these later, but, um, a great reporter who basically went into the process of, uh, exploring, uh, a variety of drugs, including LSD and things like that. And, went in to take them himself, but along the way, talked to shamans and others who were talking about the intelligence of the forest and how mushrooms are essentially the internet of the forest and connect trees who can't otherwise connect and so forth. And so this concept of communicating amongst plants is kind of interesting to me right now. 
you just described the a big basis of Avatar, the movie. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> yeah, still waiting for those to come out, I guess. Yeah. Well, cool, man. This was this is great. Jim Jacoby, co-founder of ADMCI and Saint Emmerich. For more information on Jim and all of his various adventures, uh, check out the website mosspod.org. And you can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for Moral of the Story. And if you liked it, subscribe and rate. I would love that so very much. Thank you for listening and talk to you next time.